Welcome to the Mostly Legal Podcast, a show where we tell the untold stories behind the people that make law firms operate. When we started Centerbase, I didn't understand how people who worked in competing law firms could form such deep friendships. I work with many other legal professional associations, and nothing compares to the Association of Legal Administrators. This week's guest, Jessica Doherty, credits ALA for some of her strongest friendships. I'm Rob Joyner, Chief Revenue Officer for Centerbase. And I'm Amanda Copeless, Executive Director of Sheffield, Lohman & Wilson. I can attest that many of my closest friends also came from ALA. I enjoyed talking to Jessica about that, as well as learning more about her firm and her role. Before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Centerbase, billing and accounting software for law firms. Let's dive in. We have Jessica with us. She works for the law firm of Wazerski Zurich. Did I do it? Yep, Wazerski and Zurich. (laughs) Okay, you live in Orange County, California, and you've been there about 20 years, right? And you've been in law firm management for 20 years. And the way we got you on this show was co-worker or uh, somebody else in ALA called me and said, Jessica's hilarious. You have to put her on your show. No pressure. So no pressure. <laughs> no pressure, but you need to be funny today. Okay. Look, there's no fun in the law firm. I don't know if you guys know this, but zero fun. Okay. Amanda laughs at everything too. So you should oh, be Oh, she's a great audience. Okay. Yes. Every, you gotta try some new material me. on you. If you're really good, you can get her to cry. Only oh. a few episodes. Well, she has to cry. Remember, that's the whole oh, yeah. thing. Right. She has to cry and then I'll cry. And, because otherwise it's no soul. No soul. One of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about that we have a lot in common is bonds and friendships made through the Association of Legal Administrators. And I would like you to talk a little bit about, start us out with that, because oh you God. just went to Italy. Yes. So tell me you know, about your trip to Italy and your friends that you've made? Well, through yeah, I'm going to back it up just a little bit. And, and okay. sorry to talk over you there and just talk mm-hmm. about, you know, when I came to legal, I came from a different environment. I came from retail and retail management. So when I arrived back in California, my sister's a lawyer. She worked in a law firm. Her colleagues and friends that I had known over the years kind of pushed me in this direction. I came back and it wasn't my intention to be in legal my family owned car dealerships and I hoped to work for my cousin and that was the plan. (laughs) And so this all happened by happenstance. And here I am 20 years later and those relationships not only kickstarted me in this direction with Dorothy Rossa and Judy Finnegan, lots of, you know, the stalwart members of Orange County chapter of ALA, but they are dear, dear friends to this day. And you know, it all started off just by being new and somebody needed help and said, hey, you're waiting for this or that. You want to help me out with this? I ended up with a project and within a week was running the firm and stayed with the firm and then moved to another firm. And I've been with this firm ever since. So that's wow. 20 years of all I know right here. But those friends are like family now, honestly. And I just had the most amazing trip to Italy with friend Gabby Fisher, who's a a bigger firm than mine. She's also a member of our chapter and uh, Dorothy Rossa went with us and we have had the most amazing times. And we talk about, you know, when we're not together, when we're having a bad day, we pull out the phone and just flip through some of the pictures and start talking about, Hey, remember this, remember that, or just remind yourself. And it gets you through a bad day at work when you've got to deal with whatever you have to deal with. But these relationships sustain us through 
not just work, but life, you know, it's amazing. So the people you went to Italy with are people who work at other law firms. It's so unique, Rob, and we've talked about this before, that most people think of a professional association as one where you go and you exchange business cards and you call them when you need a reference for something. And Jessica, what do you think it is that turns you from networking to you're going to go sleep in the same room and snore next to them. Like, how do you make that leap? And what is so That's different extreme. about it? Yeah, but it is. Listen, I just true. shared a room with somebody and we learned we snore uh-huh. from ALA. So, well, yes. so one of my <laughs> colleagues who is now a best friend at the time we were colleagues and we were forming this relationship through working together on the chapter and on a, a few different committees and then on the board. And I remember there was a conference and she was like, let's just share a room. And I was like, mm, no, I'm, you know, I'm not a good roommate need my own space and uh yeah i was like look i don't know you well enough to go look i snore and i need my own space and i want to leave my suitcase open okay you get me yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and to this day she still brings up do you know how long it took for jessica to share a room with me and we've <laughs> laughed about it like she's offended and when i moved up through the ranks with the chapter and became the president you know our chapter supports you going to conference and gives you a scholarship. So then when I went, I had a colleague say, Hey, can I share your room? And I felt like, well, that's another great way to get another member to conference because we get so much out of it. And I was like, sure, I'll share a room with you. And this other colleague of mine, this friend of mine is like, you're just sharing rooms with everybody now and you still haven't shared a room with me. So uh, we've had our laughs over the years about that because we've been on a number of international trips at this point. And she still talks about, I remember when you wouldn't share a room with me at conference. (laughs) It all comes back to that. When we started this podcast, one of the reasons we did it was because of the community. And it just amazes me. Anybody you talk to, people that really get into legal, stay in legal, right? Mm-hmm. And then the community around it, it's it's this big industry, but such a small, small community. It sucks you in. It sucks no. you in and it keeps you. Absolutely. And then you, you, you make friends and colleagues with people in, in nationwide and even international people that it's just such a, a resource and a pool beyond the friendship. And that's where the friendships come from. Like you said, it's, you start off exchanging business cards, but it grows. And when you work on these different committees with people and you form these common bonds and relationships, because we're working on the greater good of maybe a charity event or education, whatever, whatever it might be, you know, you go through those common interests and form these deep relationships. You just find out during that, your time of service, how much you have in common. And it's amazing. Jessica, you mentioned that your chapter sponsors people to go to conference. They do. When you're on the board, they do that. Yeah. Is that common for most of the chapters? It is. Yeah. Okay. It's twofold. It's They call them stipends. It's a reward for board mm. service because you're volunteering time, but it also brings your chapter representative there. And then you hope that other people will see the value of being on the board by getting to do this. It's been a tricky number of years, though, because a lot of uh, chapters have suffered financially. And so stipends are very expensive. Conference is very expensive, especially some of these smaller chapters. That's a real quick and easy place to cut. And having one or two business partners like lose them can make the difference between sending someone to conference and not. And so 
not being able to do that affects engagement and it infects uh, happiness within the chapter. So yeah, it's really important. Sorry, I didn't mean to, to answer that question. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm no, not the guy. No, he asked you. It, it is it is important and it is a big part of, especially as our membership's changing and we're finding with, you know, several years ago we were dealing with a lot of people retiring and where are these people coming from to replace those administrators? What's their background? How do we let them know that we're a resource for them? And then as we find them as new members, engaging them and getting them to go to conferences, another big piece of it. And that is twofold. It is the education. Absolutely. But it is when you go with your chapter and you're away from the office and you're away from just those hour long meetings, you really get a chance to bond with each other and Mm -hmm. share stories and share resources. Because when you're friends with somebody, you know what kind of a resource they'll be and they'll do anything for you. And while we're all in different firms and different practice areas, there's a lot of things that we do have in common. Jessica, it's really interesting you bring that up. This past, a couple weekends ago, I have two very good friends that I met when we were all on the board of directors for the Austin chapter of ALA. We're all very similar in age. We had very similar roles. And one of our friends like didn't quite want to be a friend because, you know, in our roles, we don't befriend the people that work with us. So having administrators at Friends is this very interesting line. And I even struggle with it. Like, do I add somebody on Facebook that is a law firm manager because it's both business and personal and I don't add people that I work with? And it's just these these very interesting nuances. But the, there was three of us or four of us. And Rob, I just need you to close your ears when I say this. We used to call ourselves the Cool Mom Lunch Group, okay? And so- <laughs> I like it. He's like dead. So we would go to lunch together and we were all similar firms. But the four of us, when I got married, I was able to bring eight people. I mean, we each brought 25 people to my our wedding. Four of my people and their spouses, so eight total, were eight of the 25 people I invited to my wedding. So a third were the most important people. They were there for me when my mom died. I was there for them when they had their baby. They were the first person in the hospital to hold both of my children. And this past weekend or a couple weekends ago, we went to the beach as a girl's trip. And you're sitting there and you're not just sitting with girlfriends that you've met at the, you know, that have different jobs or different careers. It's like these three people have kids the same age and they're married and they all work for law firms. And so every single thing you talk about, they can relate to. And when I start complaining about my boss or about partners or anything, they have either in the exact same shoes or they can relate very quickly and easily. And Oh my gosh, so true. Yeah. Does that resonate with you? Oh my gosh. Yeah. When people really understand each other and understand where you're coming from, it's a special relationship and you can laugh and cry together. Similar experiences with friends that have just seen us through so much, you know, siblings passing, car accidents, uh, weddings, uh, you know, the gamut of all of life. And what a blessing it is to have these friends that come from our same profession. I think it's really unusual. I think it's kind of special. I might not have any friends at all if it wasn't for <laughs> Well, we work a lot too, right? Yeah, and we're right. focused. And when, we, when they can't reach us and you don't respond to texts, they get it immediately. They're not that friend that's like, oh, she's 
you know, we've lost her. She's not interested. She doesn't care about me. Right. They're right. like, oh, we know what's going on. You know what month it is? Oh, their their fiscal year end is right now. We're yeah. not going to hear for her from her for a while. Yeah. They they understand us completely. So I need to join ALA so I can get friends. Well, <laughs> well Rob, it's going to take a little bit more than that for you. Um. <laughs> So last night we had our business partner appreciation with the chapter was just last night and we stood around and a few of us unintentionally ended up in a corner and it happens. And somebody came over and said, you guys have been in this corner and laughing for an hour. And one of our dear uh, business partners and friends, Al Fagans from Rico was sitting there and Al lives in a near my neighborhood. Isn't he wonderful? And so he had everybody crying because we were talking one day and I said, I just need this rug moved at my house. And he said, Jessica, why didn't you just call me? You know, I've got three grown boys. They're men. They're all over six feet tall. We'll move whatever you need to move. So I make the call and he's like, sure, we're coming over. So he comes over with his son and the windup is the rug that I needed moved was under a sectional sofa. And I omitted (laughs) that. I didn't give him that piece of information. And in fact, it didn't occur to me till he walked in and I was like, oh, this is a bigger project than I really, because I was just talking about it at something else and went, we got to get this rug moved. And he was like, we're in, we'll come and help you. And so he had everybody in the corner talking about me and my son showed up and she hands me a toolbox. Like first you have to take apart the sofa. Then you got to move the rug. Then you got to bring up the other rug. He said, oh my gosh, she had me in there for a half a day. It was kind of funny. Maybe he had to be there, but if you know Al, he's just the nicest guy and wants to help everybody in any way possible, professionally and personally, he's a good friend. You've brought up business partners a few times now. And this year at CLI, so we had a panel for how local chapters could work better with business partners. And it was, I think, you know, Amanda, you have the surveys, but I think it was an interesting topic and something people really cared about. What have you guys done in the Orange County chapter to help improve relationships with business partners? You know, they've run a few different programs. We always try and come up with something new to help those relationships, specifically with newer members, because again, newer members perspective is we're exchanging business cards. That's the end of it. I don't want to be sold something. So we really try and work with new members explaining this really is a partnership. You need to understand that these folks will educate you like, you know, center base has a product, but if you sit and talk to them, they're going to teach you a lot about not just their product, the process that helps all of us, no matter what product we're using. And so recognizing as a member that there's a lot of value in our relationships, even if I can't use your product because of the size of my firm, or maybe I'm a large firm and I'm just the local administrator and I don't get to make those decisions, but that information is always helpful for us professionally as we move forward because we have an understanding of not just what our firm's doing, but other firms, which always helps you feel like you're in touch with what's going on in our legal field. So Jessica, you're past president of the Orange County chapter, correct? Correct. One question I always like to ask is I like to hear about people's journey, not only you know getting involved with the ALA, but how they climbed the ranks and continued to develop within the the group. So Amanda, I don't know if you remember years ago, we had a conference in Reno and the then wasn't there. Was it a regional? It must've been a regional conference. Maybe it was regional. Sorry. I'm reaching back now. It's been some years, many years ago. So the incoming president 
asked me to have a couple drinks with her while we were at a conference in Reno. And uh, between the drinks and the craps table, she starts to <laughs> explain to me what she has in mind. And I was taken back, honestly. And I thought, me, I, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I haven't been on the board before. I can help you with a charity event. But, uh, you know, I don't know what these other positions require. And she got me a little drunker and got a yes out of me. And the colleague that was with us said, well, if Jessica does it, I'll do it too. And away we went. And we started <laughs> our succession through the different positions on the board. And with us, it's, it's like a three or four year plan. And that's kind of how it happened. Jessica, let's talk a little bit about what you do for a living. Okay. <laughs> well, we all work at law firms, but everybody has a different, you know, position in law firms. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, I wear a lot of different hats here. While I ride shotgun with the partners, I do have a seat at the table. I'm in all the partner meetings and they want my opinion and input, which I'm really grateful for. It's nice to feel professionally validated, but I handle all the day-to-day -day operations too. So we're under a hundred people. So there's hiring, there's interviewing, there's dealing with purchases and contracts of software and hardware and everything in between from furniture to staplers and approving purchase orders. You know, our all-time favorite HR and dealing with uh, the good HR and the HR issues. Oh. That's always a good time. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, not a favorite, but that's when you call your colleagues at ALA and go, okay, girls, I got a vent. You know what happened today? Or you know what I have to go do? And, you know, mm -hmm. they'll kind of prop you up and, okay, They'll give you a push from behind and get back in there and live to fight another day, right? And yeah. with staffing right now and salaries rising, that is like a big issue, I think, for all of us. And we're just biting the bullet and dealing with it. So Jessica, not having that hybrid option, are you finding that makes it harder for you to compete for talent? Absolutely. It's, it's the biggest challenge that I personally face with every interview and every candidate they bring it up. And it's always about me finding the right candidate and the right fit. The interview process becomes, you know, far more difficult. <laughs> the short answer, yes. The long answer, <laughs> you know, I work really hard to find some candidates that are here because they want to do trial. They know that's what we do and they understand the purpose behind us being here. Now, it's not to say our firm in particular, we are working towards that in some instances. Of course, attorneys have always been able to work remotely, but with staff and paralegals, it's quite different. Things change. We're a trial firm. We run across things and it can be a pivotal moment. We do trials that are like the stuff movies are made out of. Right. And so when someone runs across that document and goes, wait a minute, amongst all these millions of documents look what i just found and the whole office erupts with okay and everybody knows their role and away we go and and we pivot and that is why we work the way we work but i understand that a lot of people are looking for a hybrid experience so we're trying to find a way to you know be amenable to that and certainly our partners here in our firm really want people to have a work-life balance and really want them to take vacations and be gone when they can be gone. But the totally kind of remote would never work for us. It just wouldn't. You're tiptoeing into like two questions I want to ask. We'll go right into that part, the balance. So one interesting thing I find is just asking administrators who they're in the middle of everything, right? And you're the person everyone goes to at all hours of the day. How do you personally find balance? 
first off, I have to say, again, my relationship with the partners here is a special one, and I know it. And particularly mm. for like trial lawyers, I have a, a wonderful crew of partners that are supportive. And I travel a lot, and they get me out of here as much as, as I can. And this year, I've had an exorbitant amount of time off in traveling kind of on the heels of COVID and trying to make up. And I've had some things trail uh, personally with regard to travel. But for me, it is because of that relationship that when I say, hey, here's where I have a lull in what I'm doing, they're practicing law. And I'm over here dealing with insurance renewals and incoming you know, new employees. And when I find my block of time, they push me out the door and tell me to go for it. And they support my membership in ALA and they want to make sure that I attend all the conferences. And the core of it is the relationship that they foster that I make sure I do those things when I can do those things, because then everything else runs better. Do you have any rules you live by as far as like, hey, I'm going to be out of the office by this time, or this is my block of time to do X that helps you with that balance? You know, it's funny, Chris Wazerski and I just had this conversation and really I kind of live by my calendar. We were laughing because we are planning a trip. Next week I'm going to London with a girlfriend of mine. And we were laughing. I because- want your life. <laughs> I know. Italy, Italy London. London. But Rob Crab tables. I know. Well, in in her like defense, I guess, her children are grown. So Thank this you. is what we I have guess. to look forward to. Exactly. Okay, okay. Keep going, like Jessica. Keep going. Yeah. yeah. Let's just well let's so just we're... hope that that's the only difference. Like once our kids are grown, we're it jet is. setting to Europe all the time. Okay. <laughs> it true it truly, truly is the difference. And just being at that point in my life. You know, I live by the calendar and everything's kind of scheduled for me, which I used to be very spontaneous and I, I like spontaneity. So I leave days where I don't calendar anything so that I can Mm. be spontaneous. But we were laughing at this next trip that we're planning because we talked about, we're going to land. And then when we get there, we're going straight to this place and we're going to be exhausted. So I'm telling her the next morning, we're going to be exhausted. So she calendared in the first half of the day is sleep. (laughs) And so then we were laughing at ourselves, like we calendared sleep. Okay. And she's all, I'm not going to need it, but you are. Okay. Well, we're good travel buddies. She's like, I won't wake you up until I see you start to, you know, toss and turn. And then I'll yank the blankets off and tell you to let's get going. Oh man. But it is it, how I manage it is truly by calendaring, calendaring a lot of stuff and, and sticking to it. And that works yeah. for me. Some people that doesn't work for. Yeah, and it didn't absolutely. always work for me. Again, when my kids were younger, you get the call from the school and the day changes. Somebody breaks a finger in sports and the day changes. Mm-hmm. And so just learning to adapt and pivot and roll with it. But truly at this stage of my life, it's very different and I can kind of calendar but it's the different stages of our lives and our professional lives and where we're at during those times. It's funny you say that. I was, I was having a flashback to yesterday. I was getting on the elevator with one of my colleagues who doesn't have a, a spouse or children and we're going home and I'm like, you're probably sitting there deciding, what do I want to do with all my free time tonight? <laughs> and I'm sitting here deciding, do I have time to go to the store for 10 minutes before I need to get home and get ready? Yeah. You know, get the so kids ready true. for bed and all that. Yeah. We recorded a podcast episode yesterday and I was late for my son's baseball game so we could record it. Just the stuff that we went through, like rushing out of here and getting home and getting to the game and getting dinner. And yeah, I, I don't know what I would have. I probably would just record more podcast episodes. <laughs> Amanda, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> Jessica is telling us there is a Europe light. At the There's end of the something tunnel. to look. Yeah. Absolutely. Europe, yeah. Italy, 
wherever you want to go. Yeah, it's coming. The sky's so, the limit. Save the points. Rack up so, the points now. You mentioned, Jessica, you were talking about trends and you were talking about hiring trends. Are you seeing any other trends in the legal management space other than the work from home? Really, I'm sure there's more in my world. Really, the trend that that I'm dealing with is the remote aspect and Mm. trying to hire people. The other thing is that the salaries are driven so high that to stay competitive, we have to be creative. And I'm still working on figuring that one out. Sorry. I I was going to ask, do you have any creative tips? (laughs) Or you don't want to give them away? (laughs) No, I share information. That's the other thing about having your crew of friends. We share information and ideas and try and help move things along because if one of us does well, all of us does well. That's kind of the mantra amongst me and the folks that I spend a lot of time with. Some of our listeners are new into the legal space. And you mentioned you, you transitioned from retail management into working for law firms. What would you say the hardest part of the cutover was? Well, for me, it was very different because of the actual environment. For someone coming into legal space now, I find a lot of the folks that we're meeting within you know, the organization especially have already been in legal or have gotten out of college and come directly to legal so they don't have other experience. And really what I struggle with is some of that generational differences, how they look at things. I've got that work hard, play hard mentality. And a lot of the folks that are coming along now, like want the balance from day one. And I have to work on changing my head. Like, no, you haven't paid your dues yet. No, you got to get in there and, you know, you got to get in there and learn it and know it. And this generation works very differently and looks at things very differently. And for me to try to adapt to that, it's, it's a switch. It's a challenge, if I'm being honest. Jessica, we talked a little bit about the friendships you can form in ALA. And I'm kind of coming back full circle on this. One of the cons of developing these close relationships is when you walk into a lunch or you walk into an event, you see your friends and you want to go and catch up with them. What can be very difficult is new people. And while we are very, very welcoming and I have made new friends and will constantly make friends. And how do you answer that question about, how does a new person break in? Has any Have you ever been accused of having a click or being clicky? And what advice would you give someone who's just joining the professional association? That is always a tricky dance. And we talk about this at the board level. When I was a president and an incoming president, we really made a big push and challenged ourselves because as you work with these folks on the board, they become your friends. We challenged ourselves at events to avoid each other and make sure that we were inclusive of new people and spent time. Now I'm guilty. I shared last night was the business partner appreciation. We ended up in a corner laughing amongst ourselves. And that is something that typically my personal crew of friends, we try and avoid doing and we try and branch out. You have to challenge yourself. It is hard because we just gravitate to the people that you're doing business with. You're on the board and you have that one more thing that you're like, oh, we didn't finish that email. Let me touch base with you on that. And the perception from someone new is like, oh, they know each other. It's a click. And where do I fit in? You know, new people's perception of that is always a challenge. So we try and just address it head on and We always try and challenge the board to make sure to step out of those roles and look at our new members and try and be inclusive in a different way rather than business as usual and talking to folks we know. But it is a dance. It's a challenge. 
Sorry, we're going kind of back and forth between ALA and personal, but that's sure. what we do. We're kind of that's all cool. over the place. Do this it. is one of our favorite questions that we ask of guests. Uh -oh. And that is, if we, boom, gave you 10% more to your budget, your operating <laughs> budget, what would you do with it? I would put more people in my billing and accounting department, and then I would Ooh. hire a couple more assistants. I always love when people say I'm adding more billing people. Yeah. Because yeah. For yeah, us, that's a favorite just... for you, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep You're it like, let me show you coming. how to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> Rob can say you don't need more people. You need better yeah. software. Hey, hey, uh, throw people and software at it. That's the best outcome. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just, yeah, I'm with you. Well, I run a really tight ship down there, and the people that have, are with me have been with me for 20-some years, and there's great things about that, and then there's challenges with that, but they're beloved employees, so keeping it human and keeping your team where it is but sometimes there's some restrictions with that and it's a dance. That's amazing that you've retained some of your staff for 20 years. You don't hear that very often. Really? How do you do that? No. Honestly, we have a number of people like that and I don't know specifically how we do it, but we really, our culture here is like, while we work hard and it's a law firm and when, when we're headed to trial, like it's all hands on deck, when there's room to let stuff roll, we let it roll and we try not to micromanage and... The work is the work and our team, I, maybe we hire for culture and we try and find people that understand that. At least I can speak for myself when I interview and talk to people and ask those questions. But I've got folks with me. She started out after high school, went to college, finished college, met her husband, got married and she's still with me and she's in the accounting department. She started off as a file clerk. You know, we've got similar stories of people that came on as file clerks and then decided after undergrad they were going to go on to law school and have come back as lawyers and been with us. And some of them have come back and said, yeah, I don't want to be a trial lawyer. Uh, <laughs> others have. But we're fortunate in having a lot of those types of relationships in both our locations. That's amazing. Well, thank you. Encouraging yeah. to hear that you don't hear that a lot. I'm kind of like, oh, well, that's a good thing. Well, you talked about the different generations too. I mean, if you look at some of the younger generations, by the time they're 30, they've had four or five different jobs. So to hear you've been able to retain people for that long is pretty remarkable. Yeah. When you put it like that, I agree. Thank you. <laughs> you also talked a little bit about how you're very fortunate at your firm because you have a seat at the table and your yeah. partners take you very seriously and they value and honor your advice and seek your wisdom and counsel. And I have found that in firms, it can be one of two ways. They either put their focus and their faith in a business administrator and a business manager, or they don't. What advice would you give to somebody who doesn't have the seat at the table that you have and is trying to get their firm to let them get there? What serves me well and how this kind of happened is because I do come from a retail background. So having a sales background, you're always looking at the other side of the table going, how do I get them to agree with me? Because I'm selling something. Now I'm selling myself. And I want you to agree with Sorry. what I'm saying. <laughs> Rob and I are like giving each other looks because I know I asked this question, but I know he planted the answer in you. <laughs> Well, Keep going, Jessica. No, it's it's true. Look, I, I come from a family of car sales. My cousin owned nine dealerships. My father was, a, I feel like I'm on my cousin Vinny. My father was a car salesman. My sister sold cars. My brother works on cars. We were all in sales, all of us. 
So that was the mentality, even as a kid. And the t when they talked shop in the house, that's what I heard. So that's my background. And maybe that's why what I bring to the table is a little different because I'm looking at it from their perspective and how do I bring what they need so that they want me there. So I can't just be a yes man though. I have to bring stuff that they need to know and listen to, but they have to respect me to get there. And it's building that relationship. So someone new, when you have a culture in a firm that doesn't think that way, I don't know, unless I know the players, I got to take it on an individual basis, get to know the people and then try and figure out how to get to yes. I love it. We're all salespeople, Amanda. No matter what you do, you're a salesperson. You're either selling internally or selling externally. I know, I know. Yeah. So Jessica, as we transition into our final segment, which is pitch your passion, we'd like to give our listeners, you know, two or three minutes to talk about something they're passionate about, whether that's a, a cause or a, we've had all different things. So hmm. uh, what are you passionate about? Good question. I'm passionate about travel, but that serves no one else but me. But what I can <laughs> say is that our organization of ALA has gone through some changes over the years, but I'm still passionate about it. I struggle with a few things with it, but I am passionate about finding your group of professional people that can relate to you and sharing information and supporting one another and specifically for women. You know, you need to feel supported professionally. And how do you do that? You find your your tribe, you find your group of people. I found mine through ALA. You know, I'm sure there's more than one way to do that. But it is important to have when you talk about those people that really know you and get you personally and professionally, it's finding your crew of people. And my crew of people, we support each other. We share information. Of course, within legal, there's a lot of stuff that is confidential that you can't share but we know how to share and, and not cross those lines, but really support one another and help each other with the information we have and help us stay on the cutting edge of what's going on professionally, even maybe if it's not particularly effective in my firm or not for my practice area, we're sharing so much information that it makes us all stronger and all better. Right. And so my passion is find your tribe, find your people and be true to them. And, and go on vacation with them. All the time. <laughs> And what happens on vacation stays on vacation. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, Jessica, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. This was really nice. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Most Legal Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. You can also check us out online on mostlylegalpodcast.com where you can sign up for our email list, get weekly recaps, and get some of your very own Mostly Legal swag. <laughs>